Well, hello again, friends, and welcome on into a glorious victory edition of the Sco Show. Mark Schofield back in the big chair for today, Monday, November 1st, 2021. The New England Patriots with what can only be described as a statement win. Go on the road to face the Los Angeles Chargers West Coast trip. Chargers coming off of a bye week. And the Patriots get the win 27-24. Improved to 4-4 four four on the season. Chargers fall to 4-3. Patriots are now, yes kids, in the playoff conversation. Right now, if the playoffs, they would be the number 18. So yeah, outside looking in. But they've got themselves into the playoff conversation. And an interesting stretch of games coming up this week. They'll get the Carolina Panthers on the road. Browns at home. Browns just lost to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Bankers banged up. Browns Twitter is tearing themselves apart. Then you go to Atlanta. Then you get Tennessee, who might not be with Derrick Henry for that game. And then the big one, December 6th, Monday night at Buffalo. Obviously, that will be a huge game. But just when it looked bleak with the Patriots at 2-4 and four after a loss to the Dallas Cowboys. They have now won two straight, an impressive win on the road, and gotten themselves into the playoff mix. So in this glorious edition of the SCO Show, we're going to talk a little Mac Jones. We're going to talk a lot about Mac Jones, actually, in the second half of the show. We're going to talk defense first, specifically some coverage stuff, some Matthew Judon first. Uh, before any of that, your usual cavalcade of reminders, please do follow along with the hijinks on the Bird app at Mark Schofield. Check out the work, USA Today's Touchdown Wire, uh, Matt Waldman's Quick Game Podcast, which we do every Tuesday, Big Blue View, Bleeding Green Nation, Pat's Pulpit, where yes, as of this moment, there is a new Mac Attack Week 8 version posted on YouTube. The piece over at Pat's Pulpit will be up shortly. Over 20 minutes, 16 plays, breaking down Mac Jones, and I'm going to talk a lot about that in the second half of the show. Before diving into this game, hope those of you that observed Halloween had fun, had a good time. I certainly did with the kids. Simone was dressed as Hermione. Owen was dressed as Malfoil. And yes, I dressed up as Snape. If you're curious, well, you can dig around. You can probably find those photos. Also, uh, the Slack channel. I wanted to give a quick plug to the Slack channel. Um, if you ever needed a reason to join the Slack channel and to see just how addictive it is, a comment in the Slack channel from this week, and I'm not going to name names, but somebody was reading the Slack channel who was so engrossed in the conversation they walked into a closed door. Now, if that doesn't get you to join the Slack channel, I don't know what will. If you'd like an invite, reach out at Mark Schofield on Twitter. Now let's get to this game. Let's get specifically to the defense. And if you remember last Wednesday, right? You had some chucklehead with a microphone in front of his face tell you that, oh, you know, this is what you'll probably see from the Patriots from a coverage standpoint. You know, Justin Herbert's seen a lot of too high stuff, practice against it. He's had some better efficiency numbers against too high than, than single high. So the Patriots will probably want to be in single high coverage. Cover one, cover three. Herbert's kind of struggled with that stuff. I walked you through some numbers. And in typical Belichick fashion, I give you this quote from Justin Herbert after this game. We saw a lot of cover two. That was just one of those things that they did not show all year. A lot of disguise. We were expecting a lot of man, but we did not get a lot of that today. I think that is a credit to Mike Williams and Keenan Allen. Those guys are tough to match up with, but these guys on defense are pretty good too. 
And to give you some numbers, right now, the Patriots are third in the league in terms of snaps where they've seen pass attempts and they've been in cover one, cover three. 165 attempts with those coverages. Second behind only the Dolphins and the Raiders. Now, when you look at cover two, cover four, Patriots are near the bottom. Matter of fact, they are ranked, out of all 32 NFL teams, 30th. With just 33 snaps with those coverages. But they busted out a lot of them. And Justin Herbert, despite his success against them, to date this season, didn't do that well. Didn't do that well against them. So it was your typical Belichickian curveball, right? Patriots had only shown, those numbers I walked you through, they don't have, Sports Institute Solutions, SIS, doesn't have the Week 8 numbers in there yet. So that's what the Chargers knew going into this game. Number 3 in Cover 1, Cover 3 attempts against. Just 33 snaps and passing attempts against them in Cover 2, Cover 4. 30th in the league. But you saw a lot of cover two, cover four stuff on Sunday. But what's interesting, despite that, the two interceptions from Adrian Phillips, those came with single high coverages. You look at the first interception. This one comes with just over a minute to go in the first half. And it's, guess what, kids? One cross. That's what it looks like to me. And Phillips is that backside safety. And the difference between sort of this one cross play and the one that we've spent a lot of time talking about, the Dak Prescott to CeeDee Lamb, the outside receiver, Mike Williams, over J.C. Jackson goes vertically. So Jackson has to buy that route, which frees up Phillips and then Poach working to the backside, and he's got the pair of crossers coming. First is a shallow from the tight end Parham, and then it's Eckler out of the backfield running sort of a Texas route that Herbert ends up targeting, but he's able to work through that. He's able to read that out. Herbert makes a bad throw, and Phillips is in position to pick it off. And again, looking through this on the All-22, it looks... A lot like one cross to me, the coverage we've spent a lot of time talking about, given how that Dallas game ended. And then the second interception, again, it's it's single high. It's a single high coverage with Bryant as the deep safety. You got Jawan Williams over Guyton, the wide receiver. Herbert tries to hit Cook in the flat on a third and ten. Passes off the mark. But Phillips does a very good job at reading the eyes, matching the route, getting in position, and then takes advantage. But again, it's a single high coverage. So even though Herbert talked about a lot of cover two stuff, and I want to talk about some of that in a second, the two interceptions were still single high. Now, as we transition to start talking about the pressure game and the sacks they were able to get and Matthew Judon, one of the sacks at the end of the game with a minute 32 left... That was a too high look. Second and 10 
132 left. Chargers on their own 41. It's a two-high look. They rush just four on the play. And you're able to get good pressure initially from Christian Barmore, who splits the right guard and right tackle. Matthew Judon is tasked with initially chipping the tight end Cook off the line to delay him from getting into the route. So he gets a delayed rush, but it actually works in this case because Barmore is able to get such quick penetration between the guard and the tackle that it creates a space, an alley, for Judon on his pass rush because it's a half-man slide, right? Center, left guard, left tackle. They slide to the left side. We've got Uche coming, Josh Uche coming off the edge. So they slide to the left side. So you've just got the guard and the tackle on the right. They both get occupied by Barmore. It creates a huge alley for Judon to run through. But it also what it does to Herbert is he sees that gulf. He doesn't see Judon coming into focus yet. So he steps up into that. Then Judon comes right through it. Barmore is able to peel off and the two of them meet the quarterback for the sack. But that was a cover two play. So there was a two-high instance where they were able to get home. Two-high coverage, good pass rush with four. That's usually the recipe, right, kids? Pressure with four, play seven in the secondary, take care of the numbers advantage. Another play I want to talk about, kind of a small play in the grand scheme of things, but I really liked this rep. Jalen Mills, a pass breakup at the 13.09 mark of the first quarter. It's just a simple stop route. He's working against Keenan Allen. He's playing man coverage. He's cover one, single high. He's using inside technique. Now, he's not in press alignment. He's playing off. He's giving about five yards of cushion. And again, it's a simple stop route. But I absolutely love what Mills does because sometimes on these routes, particularly down, you're at the plus 16, so you might be thinking fade here. When Allen stops and looks to look back for the football, sometimes you see separation there, right? He's going to continue Mills' will a couple of steps upfield. Allen drives back. You might get a completion. That doesn't happen here. Mills does a great job at stopping, running the route for him, driving back to the catch point and breaking this up. A lot of times, I got to tell you, I I see routes like this all the time, league-wide, at the college level, and it's hard for the defensive back to get back to the catch point and influence this. But he does a tremendous job on this play. Matthew Judon. You know, if we're giving out game balls and stuff like that, Matthew Judon certainly gets one. You know, he's had a ton of pressures throughout this season. And his good play continued into Sunday against the Chargers. Evan Lazar tweeted out, Matthew Judon against the Chargers, two sacks, eight hurries, 10 quarterback pressures per pro football focus. And he also led the Patriots, as Evan points out, three stops against the run. Now, we talked about one of the sacks. PFF doesn't do half sacks, so even though he and Barmore sort of split one, he got credit for one there. The other sack, he's on the backside of a a boot concept. You know, this play comes at the 423 mark of the first quarter. Show jet motion to the right, run action to the left, so he's actually front side of it. Herbert takes the snap, fakes run to the left, looks to boot to the right. Judon doesn't buy it. Does a great job at sort of staying home. Forces Herbert to sort of try to reverse course, then spin back to the left. He can't escape. 
Judon tracks him down for the sack. A big play in that moment. Matthew Judon is looking like one of the best acquisitions in recent history from the Patriots on the defensive side of the ball. But this defense played incredibly well. You, yes, they gave up the sort of touchdown late, but you're up 10. You're okay with that. Lawrence Guy had a nice sack. You know, this is a play. It's another single high moment. But you get a five-man rush scheme. You get some pressure off the edge, including Judon. He tries to climb, and Guy's able to clean it up for the sack. So the defense played extremely well. And of course, as I talk about all the time, look, it's a Mac Jones-driven conversation. We're going to talk about Mac in a second, but want to start out on the defensive side of the ball. I thought the defense played extremely well. thought some of that coverage stuff was interesting. I still feel like they had some success with single high, even though Herbert pointed out the two high stuff that maybe you weren't expecting on Sunday with good reason. But up next, we talk Mac Jones. That's ahead here on episode 215, a glorious victory edition of the Sco Show. Mark Schofield back with you now on episode 215 of the Sco Show. And before diving into Mac Jones, we do have a bit of trade news. A couple years ago, obviously 2012, the, the NFL and the NFLPA come to the decision to push the trade deadline back a couple of weeks with the thought being teams will have two more weeks. It used to be week six. Now it's after week eight. Teams would have two more weeks to sort of evaluate where they are from a roster construction standpoint, from a you know, team success standpoint. So maybe, look, you'd have actual buyers and sellers, teams that would be like, all right, look, we're not going anywhere. You know, try, try to emulate the baseball trade deadline, which at the end of July gives you an entire month of content because you, you know what teams are buyers, what teams are sellers. And obviously the leagues and the schedules and all that stuff, the number of games played, it's, it's very different, but that's what the league was trying to emulate. We got to move. And it... It's not Deshaun Watson. It's Vaughn Miller. The Denver Broncos traded Vaughn Miller to the Los Angeles Rams for a pair of day two picks in the upcoming draft, a second rounder and a third rounder. And, you know, this is a this is a less need, like we're going all in moment, right? Because now you've got from a from a pass rushing standpoint, from a defensive front standpoint, Aaron Donald in the middle middle, Vaughn Miller on one side, Leonard Floyd on the other. You know, when you look at Floyd and Donald right now, that's 46% of the Rams' sacks. That's 41% of their pressures this year. Just those two players, two very good players, particularly Donald, one of the best in the game, but don't sell Floyd short. Now you're putting Vaughn Miller on the other side, who has four and a half sacks this year, who could still get after opposing passers. And the impact of this is, as I often do on this show and elsewhere, put yourself in that mind of... You know, let's just throw out a random name here, right? Josh McDaniels. Sure, we'll say Josh McDaniels. If you're putting together a game plan for going up against that defense, right? Where do you slide protections? Third and seven. Donald in the middle, Floyd one side, Miller the other. How are you handling that? Are you you going half slides? Are you going full slides? Are you... Asking your back and tight end, one on each side, to chip? Are you keeping seven in protection to make sure? Just giving you three guys to throw to? How are you going to work through those problems? A lot of people liken 
football and the game of football to a series of questions and answers and problems that you have to solve, whether from an offensive standpoint, a defensive standpoint, whatever. How are you solving those problems? You're Josh McDaniels. You're any offensive coordinator going up to the Rams to face them. How are you solving those problems? You know, if you want to slide protection to one and just leave somebody backside 1v1, say, against Miller versus Floyd, you better really trust that person. So it's a lot to work through. It's a lot to figure out if you're offensive coordinators going up against the Rams now. The Rams look dangerous. I mean, I did a three throws video. Again, that's my Monday content, or at least part of it. I did one on Stafford against the Texans. They're just going empty, three by two, on the offensive side of the ball, and trusting Stafford to read stuff out. There was a play where he got to the backside dig against cover two, hat tip Seth Galina, and as Seth pointed out in a response to that, the thing about the ability to do that is if you go in cover two, you get that backside dig with a pivot route underneath it, you high-low that weak hook defender, it's taking candy from a baby, but you have to be able to, as a quarterback, come to that backside dig and hit it. Stafford can hit it. But now you look at the defense, Rams are going to be a problem now. Rams are going to be a problem now. And you might say, look, he's coming off of an injury. Vaughn Miller is. He's taking a step back. I don't know, man. I watched a bunch of his tape this morning. Looked pretty good to me. And when you're seeing teams slide protections towards him, keep a back in, keep a tight end into chip and release, and he's still getting by two people to get home. Yeah, some of it was against the Jets. He also got home against Lamar. Hey. Rams look tough right now. But that's enough about the Rams and Von Miller. Let's talk Mac Jones because it was interesting watching this game live, albeit doing some Halloween stuff, re-watching it, studying it, charting it, all that fun stuff. And then seeing some of the commentary, seeing some of the comments from Mac himself talking about being disappointed and missed opportunities and things like that. I got to say, I, I know the numbers weren't great, right? 18 of 35 for 218 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions. His, you look at next-gen stats, right? His completion percentage of 51.4, his expected completion percentage was like 63. So he actually hit on fewer throws than he should have from a completion percentage standpoint, you'd think it was a bad game. I do think that that inability to score when you get first and goal from the four kind of left a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths about it, particularly, I think, Mac himself. But I got to say, I watching Mac Jones, re-watching it, studying it, I was impressed. And I think... I think what really stands out watching Mac Jones, and again, I, I dive into all of this in the Mac Attack video that's up on YouTube. Two throws. One, the deep shot, that deep over route to Aguilar early in the game. Patriots are in two tight end, 12 personnel. You've got to the right side of the formation, Hunter Henry on a curl, John o. Smith to the flat. Curl flat. Basic concept. The curl route from Henry is basically doubled. It's basically doubled. And you've got Smith trying to get to the flat, and he's wide open. Now, I think what kind of happens is they're playing man to that side or man match, and the defender 
who's aligned to the inside, is trying to get over the top of that curl down to the flat, but it really looks like from Jones' perspective, that's doubled. And it's a first and 10 situation. And I think the Mac Jones of, say, five weeks ago, three weeks ago, maybe even two weeks ago, sees the double, brings his eyes to the flat, sees Smith wide open, and just throws it. That's the Mac Jones of a couple weeks ago. The Mac Jones of right now brings his eyes to the over route that's going deep downfield, moves around in the pocket a little bit, slides around in the pocket a little bit, and throws the deep shot for a huge play. And that's sort of the evolution of Mac Jones that I've, I've been talking about. That you want to see him get better each week. You want to see him be a better quarterback by the end of the year. We don't want to wildly overreact in the moment to week one, week two, week three. See the trends. See if he's getting better. See if he's learning from some stuff or some missed opportunities. And evaluate him as we go. And I absolutely loved that play. Another play that I loved. And this gets us into the second half of the game. They had a big third down in the second half of that game. Big third down, third and eight at the 729 mark of the third quarter. You're down one. You're on your own 41. You'd obviously like to get some points. You'd obviously like to get this first down conversion, right? They got three receivers to the right. Henry's your inside receiver. Myers is the outside, is the middle receiver. Nikhil Harry's the outside receiver. He comes in short motion. He stays the outside receiver. Runs a simple little in-cut. Really sort of a hitch than in. But the two receivers that matter the most here, Henry from the number three slot, Myers from the middle, the number two slot, they both run in-breaking routes. Chargers, they show too high pre-snap. But they spin it to one cross. Or one robber. Like They bring one of the safeties down. Gilman, they bring him down to take away in-breaking routes. And Jones does such a great job with his eyes on this play. Because Gilman is reading his eyes. Gilman is reading his eyes. He's seeing the concept. He's seeing the two in-breakers. And he's going to go where Jones leads him. And so Jones looks at the first in-breaker from Hunter Henry the whole time. And then at the last second, flips the eyes just a bit to the outside to pick up Myers and throws an absolutely perfect ball. I talk all the time about manipulation, right? Manipulation that matters. Manipulation that matters. This is manipulation that matters. Because Gilman's reading them the entire way. And if Jones sees that coverage, sees him coming down and decides, I got to throw to Myers here, it goes right there. That's where Gilman's going with his eyes. And anytime you're watching a game, you're, you're watching something, and you see a defensive back after the tackle, and he makes the tackle here, but he can't prevent the completion for first down, get up, sort of slap his hands and look frustrated, it's because he knows he just got caught. And that's what Gilman does after this play. Another throw that I love from him, the dig to Nikhil Harry, first and 10 at the 11.44 mark, dagger concept. You get Myers on the vertical off of play action, Harry on the end cut, Perfect throw, and he throws it into that secondary window. It's a zone coverage look. He's trying to get it around the linebacker that's dropping. He could try to throw it into that first window, but he doesn't. 
He throws into the secondary window, timing, rhythm, and placement. A little bit of touch on it to layer it in there. Just a beautiful throw from Mac Jones. And yeah, there were some missed opportunities. There were some throws that he could have hit. The the born incompletion on first and goal for the four, I just missed it high. You know, the red zone fade to Myers, a better throw maybe. You hit that. So I understand why there was some frustration. But in terms of development... In terms of making reads and throws. I thought it was a really good performance from Mac Jones. So here we are. I I was impressed with it. And as I said at the outset. You don't want to get your hopes up. You don't want to start wildly overreacting. But this was a very big win. And with the schedule setting up the way it does. We know, obviously, the game before the bye. That is going to be a massive Monday nighter against the Buffalo Bills. You know, we're going to learn a lot about that team in that game. At Carolina, Cleveland at home, at Atlanta, a Derrick Henry less Tennessee Titans at home, all before that Buffalo game. We could be talking about a, a team that's what? You know, say they even split that. Six and six, I, I think they're seven and seven and five, maybe. You know, maybe they just. Hmm. Look at gaming this out. I think they beat Carolina. You get to five and four. Cleveland, it's a toss up and then struggle struggling a little bit right now. Maybe you win that, you get to six and four. At Atlanta, seven and four. Tennessee at home, without Derrick Kennedy, maybe, maybe. Could you talk yourself into them going four and over the next four weeks, four and over the next month? And you get to eight and four. I mean, I'm just saying, it's possible. Now look, there's a lot of football left to be played. But this defense looks very good right now. Mac Jones is getting better each week. They've won two straight. They just had the statement win. A lot of people were saying, yeah, you beat the Jets twice. You beat Houston. You haven't played anybody yet. Now you just played somebody and you won and you won on the road. I'm just saying. This was the statement when we wanted to see this team put together and they did it. So that's my look back. Wednesday we'll look ahead. We'll start talking some Sam Darnold, some Carolina Panthers. That's Wednesday. Until then, friends, stay safe. Checking on your neighbors, checking on your loved ones. Wash those hands. And when you do, sit along and bless those Patriots' reign. Down in Fox.